Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. That's the job of the government, is it not? Yeah. Will its hostage still go out, work their lungs away, pay for all the taxes, pay for absolutely everything? I've not seen any guards. I've seen more parking enforcement officers than I've seen guards. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to not be myself. And there's nobody going to take that from me. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Slow down out there this morning. They are watching us, and rightly so. We have a huge crisis in road safety this year. We've got ridiculously high numbers. We've had all those tragedies in the past, what, week, week and a half. You know, all the people. It's, it's just the additional number of deaths on our roads this year so far. It's just, it's so, so sad and so, so crazy and so, so preventable. You know, you listen to every expert known to man. They'll tell you speed is a killer. I was saying to, there was down in Kerry last weekend and just driving around the, the ring of Kerry roads there and just being as careful as you could and you see just levels of craziness, utter craziness. I was out the other night just driving around the suburbs. Was it Friday night? Was it Friday night? Friday night, yeah, I was just out doing a few bits and pieces and heading home maybe half seven so it was still nice and bright and doing maybe 40 miles an hour along the, the link road there nice and handy well this klutz in something souped up made more noise than a, a load of tractors and he just was I'm sure he thought he was Max Verstappen and he was late for practice to the Grand Prix just, just crazy stuff absolute crazy stuff and you're asking for trouble you really are and you'll get caught this morning I see something else. I must look into this and delve a bit deeper into it. I know tomorrow and subsequent days we, we, we want to feature a bit more with regard to, to road safety and try to play our role as a programme as to how we can maybe get people to slow down and get the roads just that small, tiny, little bit safer. But I'm reading in my papers this morning that there's now a proposal on the table with regard to penalty points. And it's this. So if you are speeding, suppose, let's say you're speeding, okay, and you also have the mobile phone in your hand, well, that's two penalty point offences. Up to now, you get the higher number of points. So one is a five-pointer, one is a three-pointer, then you get the five points. There's a proposal on the table, or an idea at least on the table, that you'd get was they say eight points, the five and the three. The law currently says that if you're before the courts or if you have a bunch of fines coming up, you might have a five and a three or a four and a three or whatever, that you get the higher number. And the others are effectively written off, taken into account. Someone's got an idea on the table now. I must find out more. Someone's got an idea on the table now that we'd have the five and the three. You get eight in one jump and you'd be off the road fairly handy if if that continued for a while I'd like your thoughts on that actually we'll talk maybe a lot about how to make the roads a little bit safer 
over the next uh, few days. And it doesn't take a massive effort from anybody. Just a small little bit. There are many things they tell us, you know, that we can owe a small contribution from all of us and we'll be grand. Now, nine times out of ten, that's absolute horse manure. But I think on this one, I think on this one, they're right. Anyway, it's worth thinking about. But just throw that out for now. This idea of the penalty points. Uh, as I said, I will find more. I will dig it out. It's, 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 my, it's in my head. I just need to find out what the, the, the newspaper was. That if you get, say, a five and a four, a five and a three, you get more than one penalty point defence on the one day. The law currently says you get the higher number of points and the rest is taken into account, as they say, or or, or wiped. Well, there's a proposal on the table that you get the whole lot together in one go. The five and the three. And if you're really unlucky, the other three. And you could be up to 11 like that. You could be on 12 like that. And done for six months. If that thing came into effect. It's worth watching. 0818 96 96 96. The number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. What a gorgeous morning out there. And the great news is that that's down for the week. Possibly today will be the best of it. Although it looks tomorrow might be even better. But dry, warm days. The back end of the last, the last breath of summer. Although maybe a return to what we had in June. Remember June? Remember June? Wasn't June lovely? Early June was lovely. I think we're going to get a lash this week of what we had in early June. Which would be nice, wouldn't it? 0818 96 96 96. Now, a few months ago... I was talking to Cormac Desmond about his brother, Tony. Tony is a teacher, very popular lad from Cork, a fellow that I was in school with all those years ago. And he had had a fall in China and he was in a coma. Let's remind ourselves of that conversation that I had with Cormac Desmond. Cormac Desmond joins me. Cormac, your brother, Tony, is seriously ill in China. Yeah, that's right. He's he's in a coma in China after he acquired a head injury after a fall on the 26th of February. He had some fairly serious head injuries. It, it's been operated on twice now and yeah, it's about nine weeks now so we're waiting for him to wake up really. Tell me a yeah. little bit about him. He's been in China for, for over a decade I think. He um, got a job as an English teacher, did a TESOL and he's been teaching English since uh, well, it's 2012. Where is he? Shenzhen. It's just over the border from Hong Kong. What happened to him? So he was, co- he was coming home from uh, an open mic night and he he was walking up a slope and lost his balance, fell back and hit the back of his head off the ground. So he's been in a, a coma since, has he? That's right, yeah. He moved out of ICU. He's off life support. He's in a, a high dependency unit. Yeah, he's been tube fed right. uh, but he's breathing independently there's some involuntary eye opening and stuff like that so that's that's good they don't know the extent of the damage uh, so to speak until he actually does wake up are yeah. they confident that he will they are yeah um, they don't want to get your hopes up I mean there's still a chance he can never wake up yes. but they're they're you know they've indicated to us they're confident he'll, he will wake up well that was that was back in, in March, or April rather. Um, got an email over the weekend. My name is Catherine Henshin. I'm an aunt of Tony's, writing on behalf of his brother Cormac to thank you for the opportunity to be interviewed previously. 
Tony is now in Ireland, thanks to the wonderful work of Tonish to Michal Martin and the Department of Foreign Affairs and the HSE, for which we are extremely grateful. And thank you again, PJ. Sincerely, Catherine Henshaw. That is the most wonderful news. I, I was in school a hundred centuries ago. I was in school with Tony Dez, and it was during the interviews we did at the time that the penny dropped. There was another friend of his, he knew through music, came on as well. And it was the penny dropped. I said, that Tony Dez? That Tony Dez. So I don't know how he is. There's no update in the email as to how he is. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's on the mend. And, and it, But at least he's home. At least he's back. And you know what? A couple of times this year, people have reached out. We do a lot of bashing of government on this program and others. And, you know, we, we hold their feet to the fire and... A lot of the time they deserve it. Some people might deem it unfair from time to time, but I think most of the time they deserve it. But when they get something right and when they put the, the ducks in a row and when things happen, it's worth mention that it did. So Michal Martin and the department intervened here. I don't know what they did. I don't know what they did. Uh, HSE got involved again. I don't know what they did. But clearly the work that they've done together has enabled I my mean, old school friend to get home. There was another time earlier this year, do you remember Tony, or um, Andy and Cian uh, took Andy on the phone here one morning, told me about Cian, told me about his own diagnosis of motor neuron disease and how his health was deteriorating and how he wanted to get Cian over. Cian was his partner, uh, lived in a strange corner of the world that wasn't exactly accessible, passports and visas, Laos I think. And what we did that day was we sent the interview to the various people that mattered. And again, through the work of Michal Martin's department and others, we managed to get the visa sorted for CN. And CN is now here with Andy. So when these departments actually get it right, it's worth a mention. 0818 96 96 96. And Catherine, uh, my thoughts. And if, if Tony is conscious and if Tony is talking, please convey to him the best regards of his old school friend. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We were in Cree Street together. Here's one, all right? And again, another thing we do is we tend to look around us at our city and county and we go, Yeah, okay. The other morning I was telling you and I put the video up and I got a reaction to it over the weekend. The video when I walked through town the other morning, it was a Friday morning and I was looking at Princess Street and I was horrified by the state of it. I still am horrified by the state of it. But I'm kind of looking at it as a, you know, as a Corkman in my own town. How do strangers look at us? How do strangers think of us? What do they perceive? What about a total stranger who barely even knew our city existed until, in the interest of travelling and broadening the mind... He got on a cheap flight, found himself here, and thought it was the most underrated city he'd ever been to in Europe. Jesus Patino is his name. He TikToks a lot of travel stuff. He blogs from around the world, and he thinks that Cork is a really, really cool place. He joins me from his home place in Texas. Jesus, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. How did I choose to be in Cork? I honestly, I went online and was looking for the cheapest flight anywhere. 
Um, I love to travel. I love to visit new places. And from when living in Valencia, a cheap flight came to Cork, and I decided, you know what? Why not? I've never been to Ireland. Let's let's take a chance with the city. We've got a brand new flight between Cork and Valencia. It's only started exactly. this summer, so that's the flight you took. That's the exact flight I Ryanair flight from Cork to Valencia. And you had no idea what to expect. Absolutely no idea. I arrived with zero expectations and just an open mind and ready to have a good time. So tell me what you thought of our city. I thought it was very unique. It was very special. It was a vibrant atmosphere. It was just a happy time everywhere I went. People were friendly, ready to show you their city. Um, very rainy, of course. Yeah. Um, very cloudy. <laughs> uh, but I'm assuming that's normal. Or yeah. You got one. Preferred. You got one really nice day, and you went off down to Kinsale. One really nice day. Yes. Um, when I woke up and there was sunny, the sun clear skies i remember the 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 nice lady at the hotel she told me you know what you have to go out you cannot stay here in cork go to the old head of kinzel especially since i didn't have a car it was a little bit more difficult to go to west cork where i really wanted to go um there were some really cool places on the internet that um that set out uh west cork was really really beautiful but i decided to go to the old head of kinzel and i was just impressed it was just cliffs like i have never seen before yeah it's a beautiful place and you came into Kinsale it, itself, into the into the town. Yes, of course. Yeah, I had a also time after the cliffs. We went into the town, and it was beautiful. It was very colorful. It was a a nice little surprise. I didn't expect it to like to like it that much. Yeah, you're a Texan, and you said you wouldn't see anything like this in Texas. Yes, so of course, uh, here in Texas, one thing to know about Texas it's it's big, very very big. Um, so we have a wide range of different landscapes, but no cliffs, nothing like that. Hmm. Uh, our coastline is very flat. So it's just standing on the edge and looking down and seeing these like massive waves crash against uh, these giant cliffs was just something that I've never truly experienced before. Yeah. You love the color of the place, the colors and the vibrancy. Yes. I was just surprised you had purple buildings, yellow, red. It was just a nice mix up of different um, colors, which made the city come to life even despite the cloud the cloudiness yeah it still felt like happiness was was all around me that's cool now you came back into the city having seen Kinsale and you did the tour of all our tourist spots you went to the cathedral the university to our big public park Fitzgerald's Park what did you what was your favorite part of that I think my favorite part was uh, the climb through St. Anne's Church and ringing the bells um I thought that was very unique. Never have I gone to a church where I'm actually able to ring the bells before. Um, and then just the climb to the top was just something very unique because you're just kind of like, you have to duck down and, and kind of maneuver your way up there. That's right. I don't know if you've ever had um, the ever visited before. Um, and, um, and that, yeah, the view up there was really nice. Yeah. Despite it was very, very cloudy. It's a special view, isn't it? It is a very nice view. So, you... You, you described Cork as being one of the coolest places you've ever been to and one of the most underrated cities you'd ever traveled to. Wow. Yes, of course. Um, like I was um, telling you earlier, when, when I mentioned Ireland, people only ever talk about Dublin. All I ever hear about Ireland is Dublin, Dublin, Dublin. Um, so when I when I tell people I went to Cork, People don't know this place exists. And so to me, I think it is a very, very underrated city and a place that anybody, sh- everybody should uh, have, uh, check out because it's just not talked about enough. 
Nobody ever mentions Cork until I found that flight that said Valencia to Cork for very cheap. I didn't even know Cork existed, to be fair. So I was just genuinely surprised that um, such a place like this exists. And I just was just genuinely surprised that I was going to like it that much. Well, we're very proud of Cork, as you can imagine. Uh, now, we do find it a little bit dirty and parts of it a little bit run down. Did you find that? Mm-hmm. No, no, not at all. Um, making my way through Europe sometimes, I have seen, or even here back home in Texas, um, there are some places where, where it can be a little dirty, can be a little rundown. I didn't get this exp- uh, impression in Cork. Everywhere I went, I felt like it was just, um, it was. I felt it was very clean. I felt it was very open and vibrant. I did not get that impression at all. And did you go to our famous market? The English market? Yeah. Of course, yes. Uh, that was one of the first things I did before heading out to Kinzel. We went out there to to stroll around, and we ate at the Farmgate Cafe um, in the English Market, which was very, very good. Fantastic. Would you come back? Oh, absolutely. Of course, one hundred percent. I would love to come back. Um, there were some things I didn't get to see in Cork that I would like to see, like the the Black Rock Castle, or there's also. Uh, there's one castle, I believe, where you get to kiss a stone. That's Blarney um, Castle. Yeah, that one. Yes, exactly. I didn't have enough time, but I would love to come back there. And, of course, I would love to rent a car and just go and explore the, the beautiful nature that Ireland has, the, in West Cork especially. Well, here's what you do. If you are coming back, let us know, and we'll have a longer mm-hmm. conversation in studio, and we'll chat about it. But delighted to know that you've, you've discovered... You discovered Cork out of the blue and you fell in love with the place. Exactly. I did not, never heard of Cork before, came to Cork, fell in love. Now, we know that there's a lot to love about Cork, but it's great to know that uh, a complete stranger is now a friend. Jesus, a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Yeah. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Jesus Patino is uh, in Texas. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, we're following that story in in Cove. You might have heard on the morning news there was a man died in Cove last evening. A man in his twenties in the Belly Valoon area of Cove. Sunday third, around half past eight. His body has been removed to CUH. A post mortem. Is to take place. The results of that will determine the course of the investigation. We are across that one uh, since last evening, but that is the deed. That's all that's known at the moment. We got some messages about it. Fergal got some messages about it last evening and went digging, and that's that's what we've got on the morning news. Also, oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Frank wants to know if will anyone welcome this? Will PJ welcome the second month of autumn? I will, Frank. I will indeed on the first of October. But not now. <laughs> oh, 818-96-96-96. Just have stuff, some of your stuff from last week. On Friday, we were talking about school lunches and the stuff that mammies are putting into the school lunchbox. And how do you just keep it simple? We had a great idea of, make, of, of teaching the children to make their own lunch. You know, you put the stuff that you think is best for them up on the kitchen table and then get them to select what goes into the lunchbox. You know, it's a bit like a survey when you think you're you think you're giving people what they want you to tell them, but no, actually, you know. Anyway, you know yourself. Um, morning, PJ says Andrew. Just listening about exotic school lunches of today. It's not just the kids and their school lunches; it's teenagers. 
You see them posting their breakfast of smashed avocado on homemade rye bread with slivers of freshly caught West Cork salmon. Sweet Lord, when I was that age, I had a bowl of Frosties and was grateful for it and read the back of the box, praying that Tony the Tiger would help me to win a BMX. Andrew, thank you. You're right, Andrew. You're right. John says, we went to school on foot in all weathers. We were sent in hungry. There was cocoa there, though. It was a healthy way of doing things. Using energy, grateful for food when you arrive. Actually, there is a thing. We might be talking about it later on. If not, we'll definitely talk about it this week. There's a new Netflix documentary. It's a four-parter. And I watched it over the weekend about the blue zones. These are parts of the world where people, for some reason, live much longer. Like centenarians are much more prevalent in, in these places. You've got um, uh, Icaria, which is a Greek island, Sardinia, which is in Italy, uh, and Okinawa in Japan, where people live to be 100, routinely, 90, 85, routinely. There's a man called, man's been researching that since the 80s, um, and he's put together a television show on Netflix in four parts. I've watched it, it's fascinating. Absolutely fair. Why is it in certain parts of the world, people live longer? And he went and he studied all the reasons why. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Big Splash for Aware takes place on Saturday the 23rd of September. Join people all over Cork and take a dip at your favourite swim spot to support mental health. Register today at aware.ie forward slash splash and receive your exclusive swimming hat to proudly demonstrate your support on the day. Please remember to swim safely. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. What a week of weather ahead. What a better idea than to take a daycation. A daycation. Okay, we went from vacation to staycation. Now we're on daycations where you just have a little mini holiday in a day and you have a great experience, the best daycation ever. We've teamed up this weekend, or this week rather, with Falcha Ireland to help you experience the best daycation ever. And I've been out doing a couple of them. I went to Blarney Castle uh, at the weekend and the gardens and and, uh, fantastic pathways and rivers and like it's just gorgeous out there. Barney Stone, there's an arboretum, there's avenues, there's, it's, and a fantastic coffee shop. And I went out there on my best vacation ever. So all this week, I want you to tell me about your best vacation. And if you can give me an idea for a great vacation, something you can do in a day. So you can start, enjoy, and finish it all in one day. And for the best ideas... We have two 200 euro one for all vouchers that you can use to pay for and spend your way through your daycation. So I'll have one, I have two of them. So send me a text to 083 396 96 96 and tell me about what you'd spend a day. So we've got some lovely weather ahead. You just take the day and see what is it you want to do. Where do you want to go? What attraction do you want to visit for your best daycation ever?
and we'll draw two on Friday and give you 200 euros. Now, um, we've been following this since it broke a couple of weeks ago. The Before Five Family Centre in Churchfield, it officially goes into liquidation today. All the 14 staff members are being made redundant and there's over 100 families impacted by the loss of the service. Talks are going on in the background with the hope of getting an alternative provider to come in and rescue it. We don't know where those talks are going, but if we do hear anything, and so will you. A hundred children had places there and lots more going on besides. Lots more going on besides. And we heard so many people endorsing just how great Before Five is. There's another protest happening on Wednesday at half two demanding that the place be saved and that the jobs be protected. Now, on Friday, Kathleen Funchen, who is the uh, Sinn Féin spokesperson on children, equality and disability. Kathleen, you went to see Before Five, or at least met the staff and, uh, and, and everyone else involved on Friday. It's been around for 50 years. What can we do to save it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, I met with some of the staff and uh, parents, along with our own uh, representatives there, Tommy Gould, uh, Donegal O'Leary, both TDs for the area, and some of the local councillors, uh, Mick Nugent and Kenneth Collins as well. So, look, this is obviously extremely worrying and extremely stressful for those who really rely on the service. As you say, it's been in... in existence for 50 years and doing fantastic work and you could really see the anxiety and stress and also the commitment that staff have to their work and to the families and to the kids that they're really worried for them and like they're losing their jobs as well and all this but yet their their primary concern is is for people using the service mm. so look i i understand that there is talks as you said at, at the start they're underway and that there is a um a strong hope i suppose that it will be taken over by um you know an existing similar service the kind of for early years or if, that, that would work in kind of family support early years. But I suppose, we, you know, the, we're seeing these situations happening more and more. And I believe Cork in particular seems to have had its, you know, a, a similar situation. Last year, there's pressures in the kind of early year sector in, right throughout Cork. And, mm. and really it kind of shows the issues and the difficulties that we have with the current system, you know, where, where people really rely on this service. Uh, really, it is a public service in terms of, you know, access to childcare being so valuable for people in terms of going back mm. to work, going back we're, to we're, education, particularly women. If you talk to but the Federation also, of Early Providers, Elaine Dunn's a regular contributor here on the show, and they will tell you the problem lies in this core funding model that the money being provided by government just isn't enough to cover what needs to be provided. Now, your party, Kathleen, writing high in the opinion polls or reading about it in the Sunday papers, I give you the keys to the department yeah. tomorrow. What will you do? Well, it's actually one of the areas that I've been working on for years, PJ. So from about 2016, 2017, we've been developing a policy with three main uh, platforms to it, 
first one is obviously to ensure that providers can keep their doors open. The second one is in relation to staff working in the sector. That's really, really important. We want to see a wage scale, uh, not just a wage increase, but a proper wage scale for staff. Like lots of employments, people go in, they start in point one, they develop over years. We mm. believe that should be the same for this sector. And also then for parents in terms of fees. So for the last few budgets, we've been proposing uh, an amount starting at 263 million that you would put into this sector uh, because it has been underinvested for years, it does does need a lot more focus. It needs a lot more investment. But this would in, would um, allow fees to be reduced by one third in the first year and two thirds in the second year. But it also allows for those other things that I'm talking about because we do often see, you know, people being really stressed. Providers they're they're bogged down with paperwork. They're mm-hmm. trying to keep the show on the road. There's an issue with staff retention because the wages are just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we see like there was a small increase last year, but it kind of got gobbled up in the in the cost of living for those working in the sector. And I know that there's talks ongoing at the moment in terms of of the wages in the sector. But it really is it's sort of a you know, without being alarmist, I do think it's a sector in crisis, you know, where it's sort of, we're kind of going from one situation to the other. And I know, like, particularly in Cork, there was saying, like, there's a, a place in Caracalline under serious pressure that are, you know, really finding things difficult. And I think that... Pretty much everywhere in Cork, Kathleen, is under pressure. Yeah. And Pretty much everywhere. There is... There is a there's there is a, a lot of sectors and and just to say as well like that that's re- replicated kind of throughout uh, many different counties as well but it is a sector I I think that hasn't been it hasn't gotten the recognition and it hasn't been given the uh, I suppose it hasn't been taken as seriously as it should have been over should it be treated as government. any other part of the education system uh, and brought under the Department of Education once and for all. I think what needs to happen is we do need to see it as exactly what it is, which is a public service. And I do think we need to be moving towards a publicly, fully publicly funded model. But I do believe that there is a role for the Department of Children, not just education, because there's various aspects to the care for children. Um, you know, you have your the, the preschool getting ready for school, let's say from three to five. But then you have obviously the babies from zero to three. So I do think that... Um, you know, it, it's more, it's not necessarily, you could put it in under the Department of Education in the morning, but would that solve the funding problems? I don't think it would. So we really need to tackle how we're investing in the sector and we need to ensure that you look at those three situations. I mean, I've been to a various uh, facilities all throughout the country. That's part of what I was there in Cork as well. We were in Carrigaline. We were there in, in Churchfield before five. And when you go and you speak to people, you, you get an understanding of uh, of what is actually needed and those three parts investments are that providers are not under pressure investment in the wages for, for staff and fee reduction for parents you have to have those three coming together and if they don't come together it's not going to work and I think that's maybe some of the mistakes that are being made by mm. government ministers they're not out on the ground enough they're not seeing um, you know what, what we're seeing and what our, our TDs there uh, Tommy Gould and Donna O'Leary I know we've Pat Buckley as well in Cork so you've got one of the one of, one of the yeah one of the things that I get I hear from time to time with regard to the ECI the ECCE system because the providers are not allowed to charge anything additional if they're being funded under ECCE pair, there are many parents who wouldn't mind I think paying an extra couple of quid towards that if it meant that the place was being like it seems to me that the ECCE system first of all the funding needs to be increased yeah 
But there needs to be the opportunity to maybe take additional money off the parents if they're able, if they're in a position to give it. Because you have people availing of an ECCE system, uh, Kathleen, who could afford to pay for it. Yeah, but you see, that comes back to the whole, I suppose, what way you want this sector to look. And I mean, if people were given the opportunity to pay additional in the morning or to if facilities could charge, first of all, you have a whole huge amount of people who won't be able to afford that, particularly as we've seen recently with everything going, uh, you know, electricity prices going up, we just had petrol and diesel go up again over the last few days. It's mm. not going to be possible. And I also think as well, you're getting the government off the hook by, by allowing that because we, what have we heard over the last, like, six to eight months? But just year, like everybody month, else has to find money, the government money also has to find money. You know, the government also has to find money. I know, but we also know that there's actually billions in a surplus at the moment, and this is the sector that we know, and it was highlighted so well during COVID, yeah. how, how invaluable that sector is, and how people, and also as well, uh, we can't forget the actual benefits for children, because sometimes mm-hmm. and we're all a bit guilty of that as parents you're in a panic, you know, you need to, you're trying to get out to work, but actually the benefits for children in the earlier sector it, it's invaluable, and, yeah, and teachers no will tell you that, that when kids go in after yeah. being through the ECCE so like it really is about investment, but it's about making sure that those three points are covered together and can I say like it is one sec it's something that does frustrate me because we have had our policy for years every single budget and we'll be doing the same uh, in advance of this year's budget proposing those same suggestions and they would really uh, solve and help a lot of the, the issues that we're seeing and particularly those issues uh, throughout Cork you know where, pe- where people are really just under pressure whether they're providers whether they're staff or whether they're families yeah okay it's something we'll have to follow with interest Kathleen thank you Kathleen Function spokesperson on children equality and disability with uh, Sinn Féin who met some of the before five parents on Friday thanks Kathleen 0818 96 96 96 actually no, not not singling Kathleen out now because I wouldn't um, I wouldn't single any individual out at all but if you notice what's starting to happen we're in uh, an election cycle now officially we'll have local elections in May we will have a general election at the very latest uh, February of 2025 some are saying it could be the end of 2024 we have a presidential election in late 2025 and I don't know if you've noticed what's starting to happen Kathleen was doing it there. Others do it in other radio programs and other television programs. Give them a chance and they will name every TD, councillor, pot washer and shelf packer that they have in the entire county, given half a breath. A message before any of you start to do it. Please don't. Please don't. It's pain in the arse. 0818 96 96 96 Kevin was on in case nobody noticed petrol this morning 183 that's up from 165 over the last 4 to 6 weeks that's 20 cents in the last 4 to 6 weeks per litre and everything you read at the weekend and everything seems to be pointed relentlessly towards going back to the 2 euro a litre which means any couple of quid we might get back from the electricity with the prices starting to go down and maybe a credit or two in the budget, they're going to take back office at the petrol pumps. You can't really win at all. Thanks, Kev. And I mentioned at the top of the program about penalty points and this idea, I've, I must dig in and find out more, this idea that's out there that 
instead of the highest penalty point offence being given to you, you'll get them all. So if you pick up eight points worth of stuff at one stop, then you get eight points, not the highest. Uh, Martin says, a good few of the deaths on the road have occurred with underage, unlicensed, uninsured drivers. Penalty points won't affect them at all. Just another attempt to drive the rest of us off the road, says Martin in Mahan. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Question 10. What county is the smallest in Ireland? Loud. My hands are shaking. Sarah, I don't know about you. My hands are rattling here. You're killing me here, lad. Please be loud. You said loud. <laughs> now I feel really bad oh, for no. making you wait to tell you you've just won 2,000 euros. Oh, Tim on Road Safety says all the nonsense about what to do to get people to slow down. Well, they are out in the road today now, slowing people down. It's a real heavy-duty operation slow down for the next 24 hours to try to stop the carnage on the road. But Tim says all the nonsense about what to do to slow drivers down. Regulate it so that all new cars or SUVs be fitted with speed-limiting devices to limit the speed to no more than 120 kilometres an hour, which is the max allowed on a motorway. Some people are driving at 180, 190. Look to the fins also and link fines to income. That will slow them down. So a rich person speeding, Tim, gets charged more than an ordinary person speeding because they're rich. Not too sure that'll go down too well, you know. 0818-96-96-96. Michael Collins, TD, was given out at the weekend about the prices of petrol going back up, just on the back of what Kevin was saying a while ago. I look more in-depth at that after 10. But McCurtain Street, as we know, is still being worked on. One side is done, and the other side is close enough to being done. We've spoken from time to time with the VQ about the work that's going on down there. But a problem was brought to our attention by Tom Vriesen. Now, if you know Cafe Espresso, it's been there years, over a, well over a decade. Cafe Espresso is run by Tom. It's so familiar to locals that they just call it Tom's Place. And Tom's Place is a unique little coffee shop in that he's about the only place that's open after six in the evening for coffee and a bit of grub um, that isn't a bar. And Tom has always had a couple of little little tables and chairs outside and during COVID he put up a little tent so people could sit out when all we could do was sit out. He put up a little tent and, and, and all of that. And Tom is very badly affected by the changes in McCourton Street. He brought it to our attention last week. He mentioned it to Fergal and Fergal came back to me and said, let's do something for Tom. Let's give Tom a bit of space on air. So we did. But the best thing to do is to go down to Tom because his coffee is just fabulous. 
So on Friday, after the show, I popped down for a cuppa to Café Espresso. They met Tom. Tom, you've been here for for 13 years. 13 years, yeah. And you've always had a little tent with some tables outside. Now, before we start, you always pay for those tables and chairs. You paid the council. Because of the law, so we follow by the law, and I pay for the, the space in in front of the shop, etc. Which is very good for me, you know. Yeah. And uh, I have a hope when they start new design streets, I'd be have at the stand too, you know. Yes. Now, so yeah. the street has been redesigned now, yeah. and where you used to have your little tent, and where you used to have your tables and chairs, there's a parking space there. It's exactly like this. I asked them first, first my question was uh, what's going to happen? And they tell me it should be okay because for but wilder than it was before. I say no man, it's wilder, but you in the meantime give me one meter uh, for the car park. That means I have a less than I had before. You've showed me diagrams and yeah. photographs. The tent you used to have you can no longer put that up because it will be in the car park. Exactly that, exactly like this. is. Uh, my tent reach around 80 centimeters of the car space. Yeah. How many tables and chairs were you able to have inside that tent? I have agreement for two tables and four chairs. I have a hope to expand a little bit, three or four tables together, you know. Now, I've been passing this cafe for a long time, Tom. I've seen people gathered outside, drinking coffee, smoking, having your food. It's an important part of your trade, those outside tables. It is very important, especially... So after six, I'm only one coffee shop open in the city. Because mostly, habit is like this, the coffee shop is closed at six o'clock in the city. I'm only one. And that is the moment when I make some bob, you know. Now, when all the McCurtain Street conversion was being planned, did anybody come to you and say, Tom, here's what we're going to do? I don't remember any single person which consult with me how is my habit, how is my plan, etc. What they planning? No, nobody. Did you ever get a letter? No. Just information on a paper though, from this day to this day, they be works, we close this part of street, etc. etc. And and when did you discover? that there was going to be a parking space where you used to put your tent? You know, one side of the street is ready, so following logically if, uh, by the design of the street, that's when I when I find it's, uh, that type of bricks on the, on, the, on, the, on the ground, I get it straight away, this is not footpath, this is parking place. Now, on either side of you here, and I've taken a picture which we'll share, on either side of you here there are businesses, your neighbour businesses, they don't need tables outside. They have no need of them, either of those businesses. Businesses, you do. And have you said to the council, can you not put that parking space somewhere else? I don't want to destroy what is ready, so I tell them it's option always for this. Just make the longer car space for the cars and leave me that three and a half meter for tent, you know, and place for pedestrian too. You know, you, you, I don't ask nobody, destroy this because design is different. Just expand a little bit and leave me the space. Mm. They say they can change design. 
Well, it's not finished yet. As I look out here, it's still a building site. So someone could say, well, instead of putting that there, we're going to put it there. Seems to me they could. It's, as you say, uh, it's not finished yet. That That's why I appeal by letters to the people to make some changes. When all these designs were announced, they said it would make McCourtney Street better. More people would be walking through, which means more customers for a place like yours, and now they won't replace the set. I actually get a less space than I expect, you know. I can see the logic of what you're saying here. Yeah, you know, as I say, expand over two places more for the cars and leave me space here. Leave him space there. That's Tom. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Oh, it's 96FM. Oh, it's a smashing morning out there now. Smashing morning. I think there might be a barbecue in my future this evening. I might drag it out and throw a bit of meat up in it. Nice one. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The number, the text to WhatsApp. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. And your email is opinion at ninety six m dot ie. Actually, that Blue Zones program that I was watching over the weekend, um, put together by a guy called uh, Dan Butner, who spent forty years investigating and researching why, in certain parts of the world, people routinely live longer and he goes into a lot of detail as to why but one thing that I spotted in all of them in all of the zones the weather's gorgeous a lot of the time a lot of warm sunny weather not scorchio now not not burn the arse off you when you look out the window not that kind of weather but nice and warm and pleasant and good for the body because this weather is good for the body I'm Warm, sunny weather, not really, really hot. Warm, sunny weather is good for the body. Trust me, (laughs) trust me when I tell you, as someone who suffers from arthritis in my neck and shoulders, warm weather is good for the body. Uh, But that's another thing is, and all the blue zones have warm weather. So I will take warm weather any day I get it. 0818 96 96 96. Now, People are getting angry uh, and they're starting to speak up over the weekend because the things that the government did in the early days of the war to cut prices, the Ukraine war, are being unwound. And things that were done during COVID are being unwound. As a result of which, pretty much any benefit that businesses or homeowners got is being slowly unwound. Now, it's 37 days to the budget. So over the next month, you're going to hear an awful lot of pressure coming from all sides to do something about this. So if you take last week, the VAT on hospitality and hairdressing and stuff like that went from 9% back up to 13.5%. And over the weekend, as Kevin points out this morning, over the last four weeks, the litre of petrol has gone up nearly 20 cents. And the diesel is going up too. And there's another hike coming in the petrol and diesel. The carbon tax went on in May. And life is just getting more and more expensive. And we're being told 
to expect in the budget that there will be probably one, maybe more energy credits given to us in the winter, which is all very fine and thank you very much and all of that. But they're taking it back with the other hand. Like if you're going to get a couple of quid towards the electricity, and it did help last winter, certainly helped in Coogan Towers anyway, a couple of quid they gave us towards the electricity. It certainly helped. But you're taking it back with the other hand if you're going to let the price of petrol and diesel relentlessly climb. Um, one man who noticed the prices starting to climb on his, if you like, clinics, uh, his tour around his various clinics in West Cork uh, last week was independent TD Michael Collins. And Michael took to Facebook, having done a tour of his various corners of his constituency, he took to Facebook and it's fair to say he wasn't a happy camper. Noticed uh, this evening when I chose West Cork and my travels from I was in Clannacilty and I was back in Skibbereen, back in Bantry. Uh, filling stations, people uh, packing in filling stations this evening, trying to get the fuel at the lower rate. Imagine Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael doing this to its people tomorrow. Putting up the price of fuel, Mom, mothers and fathers trying to take children to school in the morning, putting pathologies into their car, and they're now paying seven cents and five cents a litre extra. It's daylight bloody robbery. That's what they've done to the people of West Cork and done to the people of this country. Daylight robbery. Forget about the Greens. They don't mind robbing you. They think that's what you're there for. But it's astonishing. The parties that should stand by the people. And to think that fuel is going up the same thing. No need for it. No need to tax take on fuel is crucial. Irish people. So the, the person that's seen a citizen going for their paper tomorrow morning or whatever, they're all being screwed. Everyone being screwed. That's what it is. It's screwing people. That's what it is. And also, the VAT rate is going up tonight from 9 to 13.5%. This is an attack on every public, on every business, on every cafe, on every restaurant, and every hotel in the country. This is Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and a green government that are just out there for a greedy grab so they can splash out a big, big boast when it comes to the budget in a, in a, in a month's time. This is a disgrace. And the people of Ireland know that there's a council election coming and there's a European election coming. And they won't forget the people for what they've done to them here. Robbery. Robbery of the fuel station. Robbery when you go for a little bite to eat at your cafe and try to put people out of business, hard-working people out of business, and ordinary people try to uh, live their life. And they're being hit, hit in the pocket every which way they can by tomorrow morning. Michael Collins, good morning. What would you do? Good morning, uh, PJ. First and foremost, we put a number of motions forward in the doll that the carbon tax increases have to stop because uh, our fuel is, is starting to rise, it's starting to go to control once again. And uh, the government continuously ignore, and they're, they're talking about our environment, which is hugely important, and I'm not trying to deny that, but it's not the, the environment they're worried about. It's the greedy uh, tax grab. And that's what's going on here. It's a tax grab. And what they're trying to do is they'll try and splash out a bit now in the, in the next budget and boast how well they did. But they're not, they're not being honest with the people because they have it robbed out of your pocket already. And last year, I, I tell you the few figures last year and done a bit of research on this. Uh, fuel was at 186 last year, so we're rising rapid towards that figure again. Yeah. So at, at, a, at fuel being at 186 a litre, uh, the supplier gets 82.9 cents. The station only gets 4 cents. The government gets 1 euro. 1 euro out of that 186. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically on a gallon of fuel, they're getting 4 euros and 52 cents tax on, mm-hmm. a, on, on, on a, a gallon of fuel. And if you put 100 euros of petrol into your car, they get, the government are getting 53 euros and 35 cents. Now that is daylight robbery of the highest degree against its own people. And it's a sneaky way. And last, uh, was it Wednesday? Wednesday was the 1st of September. That was a mini budget. 
that hit this country. And, yet, you know, we called last year when there was energy crisis to have mini budgets put in place to help the people, and they refused continuously, the government. But they were able to bring in a mini budget last Wednesday night, and they, don't, they didn't bat an eyelid. Uh, so your fuel went up, uh, your, the hospitality sector got hit from 9 to 13 and a half percent. So this, it's, it's, you know what? It's absolutely scandalous. And so the people are telling me, because I actually was travelling, I stopped in a couple of filling stations, they were packed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people are trying to get them I, I saw that actually um, one evening last week was it Thursday I was driving home in my little car and the, the, the petrol light came on which gives me about 40 kilometres to get fuel and, and I passed the station and I thought no, no, no I'd rather chew my own eyeballs than sit in that queue but people were queuing because the petrol was going up at midnight they, they were and look you know what they were saving is two, three quid. That's a lot. You know, you know that that's a lot. If you talk about it over maybe oh, Chris, a whole week, they might absolutely. Well, ten yeah. liters, ten Hello, liters of fuel. That's seventy euro. Yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of money for people, and people can't afford it. And we are in a, a situation where people can't get uh, school transport for children because we're inundated with people all over West Cork pleading with us from Belgoli, Otisars, the Mizzenhead pleading with us to get school tickets for their children so they can get a school bus to take them. So they have to use the car. We're pushed into a, puck, a shocking public transport uh, service, so we're continuously using cars. And PJ, there's two point two. Uh, million cars in this country and 99% of those cars are on fossil fuel whether people like it or not we have no choice in the matter and the, the government are taking anything up to 6 billion euros of tax uh, on fuel and that's no they, were, they used to be in the good times we'll say when they were more honest with the people they were only on a 2 billion tax hit in 2020 but now it's gone up to 6 billion it's nothing short as I said of a complete robbery it just rem- reminds me a small bit of, of Robin Hood the sheriff of Nottingham he, he stole from the, 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 the poor yeah. and, the, and the middle class to, to feed the rich you mentioned the carbon tax well, now I tried to drill this through <laughs> with, with Michael McGrath um, in the recent months and it would appear from what you're told they had no option but to bring the carbon tax in because it was an agreement with the EU that they had to do it. And, and Michael McGrath would insist, and I'm sure after budget we'll talk, me and he, he would insist that you can't just do what you like when it comes to VAT and excise. Now, I would argue other countries have said to the EU, shag off now, we'll talk to you later, we're looking after our people. But Michael McGrath and, 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 and Pascal Donoghue seem to be very determined not to break the rules. And is that not responsible government to being prudent and staying within the rules? It's 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 nothing short, as I said, only a greedy tax grab. And they can But if they're staying within the rules, moved. Michael, if it's what they have to do, if it's what they're obliged to do under EU rules, then it's prudent government, surely. Yeah. Uh, other European countries are moving to help their people and they've provided um, uh, cheaper VAT rates in relation to fuel and they can get away with it. But we seem to be... Uh, They'll be penalised down the road. Should, they will be penalised. We have, we, have, we have VAT on fuel. We have carbon tax on fuel. We have uh, a thing called NORA on fuel. There's yeah. every tax is applied on fuel. Yeah. So the government can make some movement on the VAT and they can say, if they're, uh, they're insisting that they have to have carbon tax, but there's other ways to penalise people because carbon tax only penalises the person, uh, especially the people in rural uh, Ireland. It doesn't matter where you live uh, because you have to use a vehicle to get to your place of oh, work. Yeah. And, and BJ people are suffering and they're suffering in the pocket. And they're not, they're like, the, it wasn't bad enough you know, that they got hit with the fuel. They got hit with the hospitality sector. So if they went yeah. to the restaurant the next morning or to the cafe the next morning, the coffee was gone up, the hairdresser was gone up. 
it's just a greedy, greedy grab take, and that's all it is. They will have a beautiful announcement for their budget. It's no wonder they will. When they're yeah. grabbing six billion euros out of tax out of you, uh, and so they're basically taking it out of everybody's pocket well, and giving it back to a few pockets. Well, if you look at it, right, the two hundred euro um, tar- uh, cre- credits on the electricity last year, which I I did, and I sat here and I say it again, it it was a, a nice handy bite taken out of of a hefty bill. I appreciated it, but it looks now when you do the maths, we're only getting my own money back. Absolutely, but. You know, the thing we're forgetting here, too, is, you know, if fuel goes up, the, the cost of the, 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 the hauliers that are taking bringing food to the stores, the cost of the farmer, the cost of the fishermen with their trawlers, out there, there's huge costs. And that cost is going to be applied extra on to people. So not alone they're going to be hitting the filling station when they go back in to buy the loaf of bread or go back in to buy uh, uh, fish in the market or, or, or whatever produce that they need. They, it's going to be rising inside the store because the, the the haulier can't take the hit. And they're continuously saying that to the government. We can't keep taking the hit. I was speaking to people yesterday because uh, I was over the whole vintage um, and, and trash industry. And they were telling me that like we're cut tight. We're cut tight. We can't provide our services for the way we are because the money's coming in. They're not meeting that. So like they're going to have to raise the, the price of, of, of father, the price of food mm. is raised in. When it comes to the shop, so it's a knock-on effect. So it's not just a filling station. It'll be in the shop then after when the yeah. person goes into the shop to buy the food. Are we not a little bit to blame ourselves, Michael? And bear with me on this point now for a sec. I was away Saturday. I was in Dublin. Um, just went up for a show up and down the same day on the train. The reason we did that was because the hotels are too blast expensive to stay over. Couldn't justify the cost of it. But we sat down for a bite to eat. Um, in, a, in a very well-known place, a place I'd be very fond of and have been there many times. And the prices had gone up a little bit with the um, the VAT. They'd gone up overnight by a few cents here and there. But what I noticed, the pint, the price of a pint with your dinner in Dublin, seven euro. My, I'm the Egypt. I paid it. We, the problem with us, I think, a little bit, Michael, as people, is we just reach into the wallet and we pay. Unfortunately, we do, and and look, you know, I I go up and down to Dublin too, and, and uh, you know when I'm in the you, doll, and you I, know I exactly it. what it's like. You know the cost of a hotel in I Dublin has gone through the flipping roof, Michael. Oh, just it's just crazy money, it's just crazy money. But in fairness, it's just, it's just to, I suppose to be to put a, 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 a an honest reflection that there's an awful lot of hotels, family ran hotels, uh, in, in I, I can only talk about West Cork that are giving the same rate as they gave many years ago and the same service and the same prices best they can. Spot on, and I'll tell you this, with Michael, is, jump in across here, few, West Cork, uh, sorry, yeah. West Cork, and I say this not as someone who lives down there like you do, but as someone who visits it. relatively frequently, as frequently as I can. And I'm heading off down to Baltimore again for a weekend now, mid-September. I love that place. West Cork is still quite reasonable if you know what you're looking for. It, it, it is, and in fairness, a lot of the hotels have been very, very fair to people. And I, I, used, I, I meet with the sector because obviously they had worries going from 90 to 13 and a half percent. They have to, they can't keep taking the hit because I, I met with the hotel sector even previous to the last budget, and they told me some of the family members are working free. 
in, of charge inside because they cannot uh, afford to pay themselves uh, with, with, with uh, there's so much uh, overheads, uh, you know, especially the energy crisis and all that. So, like, some of the hotels are very honest, but there is a few chances out there. Chances, and, and especially when come going to a concert or going to something where mainly because our young people go to concerts, uh, I go every myself, I'm not young, but uh, mainly our young people go to concerts and they're being fleeced left, right, and centre, which is a terrible reflection of what's going on in the capital. And the government must weed out them. Uh, chancers that must weed them out mm. and, and the honest people the must be supporting can't interfere yeah. in commercial operations Michael they can always interfere when it suits them to interfere but they won't interfere when it doesn't suit them and that's the bottom line in this country we can see this like as I said to you at the beginning of the interview we pleaded last year when the energy uh, prices were rising rising for a mini budget no mini budget no mini budget what happened last week we had a mini budget that's what we had in this country and, and our two ministers of finance kept their head down quietly, left the 9% hospitality sector strike up to that to 13.5%. And as you will go in some cases, 7 cents for petrol and 5 cents a litre, and they're taking 50 per, uh, 50% of all that take into the back pocket so they can shove it out for little pet projects around the place. And basically, everybody's paying for that and everybody's suffering. Michael, good to talk to you. Michael Collins, independent TD for Cork South West. Um, was it really a mini budget that happened last Friday? It felt like one. It certainly felt like... No, I mentioned... I was going to mention Dublin because I got caught up in something then. So, what happened Saturday? Myself and Queen Bee and the boy had tickets for months and months. We bought them when Paul Grady was going to be starring in Annie at the Borgosh Energy. We'd have been huge Paul Grady fans and he was to play Miss Hannigan in the Borgosh Energy Theatre. Then he went and flipped and died on us, the poor old devil. But we had the tickets and we said, you know what, we'll go anyway and... His replacement was good. He wasn't Paul, but he was good. Very enjoyable show. Borgash Energy Theatre, I say this without fear of contradiction, is one of the finest facilities in entertainment I have ever been in in my entire life. It is a wonderful, wonderful theatre in a fabulous location right there in the Docklands in Dublin. It's a great day out. And believe it or not, tickets for the Borgash Energy Theatre are not overly expensive. And inside... It's not overly expensive for a drink. And popcorn is a rip-off, but popcorn's a rip-off everywhere. But you know yourself, we had a fabulous day out. We went up on the train and went across on the Lewis. And about a five or ten minute walk then to the, to the theatre. A little bit of lunch there, the square. None of the prices around the square there by the theatre are outrageous by any manner or means. It's expensive, but hey, you're outside a big theatre. That happens anywhere in the world. We had a great day out, lovely trip. Across the road from the theatre is a fabulous hotel. It's one of the Claytons. It's there in the middle of the street. We've stayed at that hotel, I don't know how many times, when we'd go up for a show at the Borgosh Energy Theatre. There was a time we used to go up quite often because it was made for a lovely weekend and we'd stay in the hotel. It just wasn't justifiable, the cost of staying in the hotel on Saturday night. It wouldn't. It would have been for the two rooms we'd have needed. For three adults, you'd have been looking at... We'd have been dropping more than 500 quid. In fact, probably closer to 600. Not justifiable. Not justifiable with your last breath. So we said we'd do the train up and down. Himself has free travel. So we go up and down on the train. We had a lovely day out. But then I got back to Houston Station that evening and we were sitting waiting for the train. We were on the 9 o'clock train down. Uh, last train of the day, and it was it's usually half empty, and it's a lovely fast ride, doesn't stop anywhere. So that's why we waited. 
And then there was this sign went up that all... I just wanted to drop this into the conversation during the morning because I wanted to say well done to Ian Rodearan. We were there in Houston Station. It would have been around five or ten past eight and we were after getting chips and just sitting there gassing and talking rubbish about the day and how lovely it had been. And then the sign went up, all trains suspended. And this fellow came out and he said, look, ladies and gentlemen, we've had a problem on the line. All trains in and out of Houston are now suspended. And the timetable went off and a big black sign came up to say everything's suspended. What on earth is going on here? And he was a lovely fella, came over and I said, I didn't catch what you were saying there. What's the story? So he said there'd been a fatality on the line. And unfortunately, they had to wait until such time as they had to guard the clearance to reopen the lines. And I said, OK, OK, well, I'm sorry for whoever, whoever ha- happens to be involved in that fatality. So I said, how long might we be? He said, look, he said, really? I don't know. It'll be at least an hour, possibly an hour and a half. But he said, I have been here when it takes five or six hours. So I said, look, right, best we can do. And he said, look, he said, it's our job to get you home. We'll get you home. We'll get you home. We'll get you to Cork. It's our job. We'll sort that out. So I'm back over, reported my conversation. We sat down and said, right, we'll give it a time here. Went to the vending machine, as you do. Got out my Kindle, started reading, as you do. Went back to Super Supermax for more chips, as you do. And eventually at around quarter past ten, the train left. What had happened was the the night, the nine o'clock to Cork, stopped at all the commuter jo- trains, or stops, and, and they got it all sorted. And we got in. We got in late and got in very tired, but we got in. And uh, thinking on the way down of, you know, what had happened on, on the line. But the one thing I wanted to say in the middle of all this was having been caught up in one of these delays, I couldn't say enough about the professionalism and the personability of the staff at Houston Station, Dublin. And if anyone's listening, I know Stephen Hackett, uh, locally very involved with the Ian Rodier and business development and all that, and, and staff up and down the line, the professionalism and the personability and the willing to engage with people Saturday night in Houston Station, I thought was second to none. So take a bow for your professionalism, the workers, the ordinary workers on the fork court at Houston Station, Dublin. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. So we've got the price of petrol going up. We've got the VAT has gone up. Kevin Hearn, as it's Sage and Middleton. Kevin, the VAT went up at the weekend. Did you have to adjust your your, your dishes price-wise? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Um, you have to make a little bit of an adjustment. Um, but there's only so much adjusting, I suppose, you can do. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're kind of at the stage now where, you know, people are only, only willing to pay so much for a certain product. So... You know, you just you just can't keep putting up prices. It's just just not it's just not going to work. Just it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And the nine percent was manageable, but thirteen point five like that's a fifty percent increase in in VAT. Like if you take something as simple as as basic as as, as fish and chips, you're talking about putting a couple of quid on, on on something as simple as fish and chips, aren't you? Well, I suppose you know. When, we're not it's not a case of the vats gone up the prices are going to go up you know we can't like it, that can't be the case in 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 every way you know it just doesn't it just doesn't work like that because as i said people are only you're only willing to spend a certain amount on yes. fish and chips you know you're then you're then taking the decision away from people whether they want it or not and you know there's only so much you can charge but like Restaurants, I can only speak now for restaurants. I know it's kind of a lot for everybody, so I, I'm not going speaking on behalf of everybody. I can only speak for, you know, for restaurants. But, you know, generally, profit margins in restaurants are generally between 5 and 10%. That's okay. generally what a restaurant profit is over the course of a year. So, you know, it's very, very simple maths. If you think about what the VAT rate has just went up, it's gone up 4.5%. Mm. We're going up to €12 euro on our minimum wage in January, which I fully respect and I'm, I'm behind it, to be honest. But that's another, we'd say another 1.5% that's going to be on it. So we'd say we're up to 6%. So, mm. you know, those, those maths just do not work. Yeah, you said so. the, five to, the 5 to 10% margin. Um, talking to other people in the trade, Kevin, you've got to be pulling in, to, to make it worth opening the door, you've got to be pulling in somewhere between 7 and 10%, don't you? Yeah, you have to. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not viable for anybody to do it. You know, like not every, not every restaurant is out the door. Not every restaurant has the capability to be you know full every night and a capacity every night. And um, those that that are good for them. But you know, there's there's a lot of towns and villages in Ireland that and seasonal 
um, locations that are, are not, you know, full all year round. If we were, we were full all year round, you know, that's, you know, you're making five to ten percent of a, a lot larger, um, you know, turnover in the year than you would be for for those of us that are, aren't busy all year round. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's busy seven nights a week unless they're very ex- exceptionally lucky. Um, but, no, but you, you you also have to make hay while the sun shines. And okay, heading into what would September normally be like for you, Kevin? Uh, generally, September is kind of a is generally a good month. Um, yeah. We always find it's a good month, especially when you've got weather like this at the moment. Anyway, yeah. um, people, are more incli- people are more inclined to spend a couple of quid if the weather is nice. I think. Yeah, I suppose they're a bit more relaxed and a bit enjoying themselves and the you know, vitamin D in the skin is giving them the, uh, the want for more and need for more. But um, generally, um, the weather is good. People are tend to be in better form. Look, you know, yeah. the sun's shining. We're all we're all shining a bit yeah. brighter when the sun is shining on us. So we tend yeah. to be in better form. So Yourself and your, your fellow traders, fellow restaurateurs, like heading into the autumn and winter, um, how much under pressure are you, really? Uh, we're here doomsday predictions of doors closing up and down the country but will yeah, look uh, yeah it's i think it's important as well that when like when we think about restaurants and when we think about eating out like none, none of us restaurateurs want a, a dark cloud around you know the industry that's that's not what we're about we're about being positive creating a great atmosphere for people to go out and enjoy themselves so i suppose it's, it's important for us that that's that's the way it stays and that's the way it remains you know sure, it's a positive sure. positive thing uh, while it's difficult no restaurateur is looking for a handout. We're not looking for a handout. Nobody's looking for a handout. And we're, mm-hmm. I suppose we're looking for more of a helping hand than a handout. It's just trying to understand why. What's the just reason? What is exactly the just reason of bringing it back up again? Why? Why Why are we doing it? Why have we not been told why are we doing it? Where yes. is the money going to go? You know, why think, Why is it after happening? I think their explanation... Like we understand what hotels and everything. Well, their explanations, if we know hotels are putting on prices and everything else, but, you, you know, you can't... You can't paint us all with the same brush. That's yeah. just not that's the way it works. No, I think with regard to the VAT change at the weekend, I think the explanation they gave was that that was a date by uh, set in legislation and that in order to change it or to leave it at 9%, you'd have had to recall the doll. Now, some people bought that, some people didn't. Did you? Uh, not really, no. I wouldn't buy it. Maybe they would, but whether they did, whether they would have or they wouldn't have, that still doesn't. That's still not a good enough excuse to just yeah. say, "Well, we're, we're going to put it back up just because we're, you know, we're not going back in and moving out of it again." Yeah. Um, you know, prices have gone up dramatically in the last the last couple of years as well. So it's not a case of it's going back to where it was, and that's that's one of the biggest points that we made by all of us as well. We're not putting it back to where it was two years ago because where we were two years ago and where we are now are two different completely things. You know, where the cost of, of, of natural good products is far more expensive now than it was. So we're not we're not going back to where it was. We're you know we're we're going further down the line again, yeah. and nobody wants to see price increases. You know, no restaurateur wants to be putting up their prices. Nobody wants to be scaring you know anybody away out of the industry. Mm. So it's thirty-seven days roughly to the budget. So if 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 Michael McGrath and he tends to spend some time around Cork on a Monday catching up on constituency business. If Michael McGrath is listening um, on behalf of just one restaurateur, what would you say, Kevin? Um, I'd just look for a just reason. I suppose that's, you know, 
Um, I'd like to know what is the logical reason behind putting it back up. You know, why why are we doing it? Why are you putting it back up? What 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 is really the point of it? Who who's going to who's going to gain from the exercise of raising the VAT back to where it was? Um, you know, the, it's it's not for the public. It's not for the restaurateurs. So who exactly is it for, and why exactly are you doing it? Kevin, thank you very much. And I will be speaking to Michael McGrath, I imagine. We will already have the request in to speak to him around budget time. Um, maybe even before it, hopefully. But Kevin Hearn from Sage in Middleton and every other restaurant affected by this at the weekend. And lots of bars, too, that did food or do food affected by the jump in, in VAT, which came into effect on midnight Friday night. So Friday was the first day we experienced it. Then we got this email from Kelly who describes herself as a frazzled bride. There is nothing more dangerous in captivity or out of it than a frazzled bride. That we have learnt. Hi PJ, I just wanted to check in to see if any of your listeners are feeling panicked, like myself and my partner. We're getting married next August and are saving our butts off for the wedding. We'll just about get there and manage to pay for it by the skin of our teeth. Now I'm fearing there could be major price jumps because of the VAT increase. We're in the dark as to how much it'll impact our wedding bills, but we're worried that the venue, the food and other suppliers will have to up their prices. And that's something we can't afford. Can you shed any light on it? And that is from, as she describes herself, a frazzled bride. Kelly. 0818969696. Now, Orla McAndrew uh, joins me. Orla, um, event planning, wedding management, wedding planning, wedding catering is, is, is your bag. Do you see prices going up like Kelly is worried? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I, do you know what? I feel for Kelly because she is absolutely not alone in the industry. And even for me as a wedding caterer, you know, supplying that service, we've gone from, I've gone from quoting brides and grooms at 9% to it being 13.5%. So even for me, I'm in the predicament to know whether or not I have to honour that original quote or if I'm well within my rights to pass on that 13.5%. So that's coming at it from the other angle as well, PJ. That's an interesting point, Orla. You, you, quote, know, you quoted someone pre this VAT increase. Yeah. You, you kind of have to absorb it, don't you? Well, Contractually. I don't actually know, and I'm looking into the legalities wow. of that. And, and, and actually, you know, morally, I would say absolutely yes. But going back to what Kevin was saying about the very low profit margins on any kind of food industry, that could be enough to sink me in my business as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm offering, operating at about between 7 and 10% of a profit margin. So, again, you're, that's an extra 4.5% that's coming off my bottom line. Um, so it gets to the point then, is it worth my while doing what I'm doing? So it really badly impacts the entire industry. Anybody who's working in food and anybody who is, like Kelly, looking at having a service provided for them, it, 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 this is a detrimental uh, increase and it leaves everybody in a very vulnerable position. This is this is very... Coming from someone who, and I'm not blowing smoke where I shouldn't blow it or one of the most positive people we ever talked to about the wedding game on this program that's a very depressing thing you just said 
Please, and, and thanks for saying that, BJ, about my positivity. And I am, in general, a very positive person and I absolutely adore what I'm doing. And, it, it, you know, it's new to me. I'm in my 40s. I discovered this very, very late in life. I'm absolutely brilliant at it, I have to say. <laughs> and, and, I say and I say that with positivity. And it's given me so much joy. But now I'm looking at, and it's not, it isn't just the 4.5% increase. It's literally all of the increases that are impacting us. As Kevin mentioned earlier, you know, the price of natural goods, obviously, we're all impacted by electricity. And, like, you can only pass on that so much because we can't, nobody can afford it. I, as a consumer, can't afford to keep paying the increases. And I can't expect my customers to be able to afford that either. So it's actually, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a frightening time for anybody in food yeah. right now to be able to continue delivering the very best of ingredients as well. And, like... You could take shortcuts and you could try and increase your profit margin, but that's then that doesn't make me me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'll never I'll never go down that route to keep myself in business. I'd rather go out of business than have to choose lesser options and not be delivering to the standard that I insist on delivering to. Do you know? Yeah, that's Orla Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath. Before he went into politics, his actual profession is. He's a financial controller. He's a business accountant. He understands the running of a business. Why mm-hmm. do you think, and this isn't personalising against Michael, on a personal level, I, I, I get on very well with him, with Michael, mm-hmm. I've known him for 20 years. But why would you think that somebody who is a financial controller by profession mm-hmm. would see this as a good idea for businesses like yours and businesses like Evans? Well, I suppose, let's call a spade a spade. It's, it, it's, he's not doing it on behalf of businesses like mine and businesses like Kevin's. He, you know, the government are needing to gain money from all sorts of sources, and this is another source of income for the government. So it's obviously not, we're, we're not his concern. Mm. We, we clearly cannot be his concern because as a man of Ireland, he understands that the food industry is massively under pressure. So... Yeah, I I would be inclined to agree with Kevin and and want answers as to who is this to benefit, and how is it fair that this particular industry is having such a it is enormous like it is four and a half percent of something that is everybody knows is a very small profit margin, and and I, I and I actually I question does everybody know that because you off you know anecdotally here oh my god the price of eating out in Ireland the price of wedding catering the price of food in general is astronomical, we're being ripped off but actually I don't think people appreciate how much it costs to actually deliver an exceptional food service you know, it's we're not charging astronomical amounts of money for a crack or to line our own pockets literally so we can continue to put food on our own tables as well Well you know, you know? one person that's been educated in that regard Orla this year is me because I would have been one of these people who'd have looked at the receipts coming in and said Christ that's a rip off but when I sat down and I talked to people, mm-hmm. I take a simple thing like a re- like a simple thing like a platter of fish and chips, which mm-hmm. is the most basic fare in a restaurant. I sat mm-hmm. down with someone I won't name who they are, who showed me the exact cost of plating that up, mm-hmm. and the the money they made out of the fourteen or fifteen quid. And I'm saying, Jesus, that's not a lot at all, is it really? It really isn't. And I I I would actually love for there be for there to be a huge education piece on that so that 
I suppose that people get behind restaurateurs. It's an uh, and you know my, my own service, people like obviously. Yourself, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. That they understand that there's huge value in what we do. You know, it is it is blood, sweat, and tears. It's passion and it's joy. And if we can't actually continue to make a living on it, that people don't get behind us and understand what the costs involved are, then we will go out of business and everybody suffers. You know, I, you know, a person who wants to do a bespoke, unique wedding, they won't have that opportunity because the likes of me won't be avail- you know, won't be able to continue being in business. Understood. So, yeah. Understood. Orla, I wish you well, and I hope it won't be too difficult an autumn and winter for you. Uh, at, uh, zero Waste Weddings is the main um, push for Orla of recent, recently, but she does catering events of any kind of wedding. And like she says, she's damn good at it too. And one of the most positive people we ever talked to about this kind of issue on the show. Um, and she's very down, very down in the dumps about it this morning. Um, and Kevin the same. Kevin is always very positive, very down in the dumps this morning. Are you listening up there, lads, in the doll? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. It was a huge weekend at Electric Picnic. A huge weekend. There were a couple of big moments. One, the whole country's talking about the Wolf Tones at at Electric Picnic. Like there was like everyone ran from the four corners of the Electric Picnic venue to to hear the Wolf Tones inside in a small tent, rocking the joint. That was the story. It was one story. But the big, big story. Someone, a young man from Cork, and I had the pleasure of talking to him on the show a couple of years ago when his stuff just began to take off on, kick, on, on TikTok. Cian de Crow is on the verge of global stardom. You can, you can sense it from the guy. He's on the verge of global stardom. He rocked it at Electric Picnic at the weekend. We'll hear from him next. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. I'm getting money. Oh, Corks 96 FM. So our, cro- our man Crossy caught up with uh, Cian Ducrow backstage, uh, the main stage at Electric Picnic. I was chatting to him about, well, first of all, of course, about the hometown. Cork holds a special place in your heart. Uh, it does how amazing when you're going around the world thinking the people of Cork are roaring, cheering for you. It's great. It's nice. It's, I mean, any time I come back home to Cork, it's just like, it's very, I feel like I'm in the Truman Show now, but it's also just still just feels so nice to like be home as well and go home. So it's really special. You uh, did independence and I heard that the tent probably could have been eight times big. That <laughs> was did crazy. You that when you were there going, wow. I like, I mean, I could see that it was completely packed, but I couldn't see what was happening outside. I didn't know that they were closing it off and like apparently they over capacitated it like three times or something so it was in, yeah, it was unreal but that was such a special show I went to London a couple of weeks ago and your album was everywhere on the tube the trains yeah. have you seen that like does that does that still feel real to you 
Uh, well, I actually haven't seen it myself because I just haven't been like home and haven't had time to go out in the tubes. But I have loads of friends like always sending me photos and like just like every tube station they're at and stuff like that. And we were just like on a billboard in Times Square, which is like absolutely nuts. And like I didn't get to see it, sadly. Uh, I don't think I will get to see it, but like it's just nuts. Like uh, the Today in America, that show, like when that happened. Uh, we went wild for that. Can you tell us about that? Like, was that how did that all get come about? I I don't even know. I think just they like reached out towards like you know like towards the team in the U, like my team in the US. And when we were over there on tour, they just saw that we were there and they were like, we'd love to get Kian to come out and do something like on the Today Show and like in the middle of like. Uh, whatever that place is I don't know where it's called it's a very famous part of New York I'm clueless um, but it was it was unbelievable I think Rockefeller yeah the Rockefeller it's the Center Rockefeller yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just unreal like I, I remember like when I watch it back now I'm like what the hell like and it was like we were just there really early in the morning like preparing and I was just like why am I standing in New York like doing this what is going on uh, your album I got the the record of it the other day I love it right the back of it <laughs> that's some pair of balls that is, that is something like that it's out forever out forever that was my girlfriend's idea actually she was just like you should just like get your backside out for the backside of the album and I was like that would be funny and like it's obviously a very emotional serious album but I'm, a, I'm also a very not serious person you know incredible yes. also happy birthday thank you <laughs> I think I, with Instagram we're all kind of like yeah we know it now it's yeah yeah, it's my birthday there a couple of days ago. What, did you, what did you get to do? Uh, I went to the cinema the night before my birthday, saw Oppenheimer. Probably the best movie I've ever seen of all time. I don't know why it has mixed reviews, because genuinely, unbelievable. And Killian Murphy as well. Oh my God, he's, he's just so good. Like, I honestly, I was like on the edge of my seat, like jaw down, like. Um, and then I just spent the day with my girlfriend. She planned loads of things. She surprised me with loads of like different things throughout the day. And like, that's what we like to do for each other. We don't tell each other what's happening and we just kind of plan a day. So it was really, really nice. And just to spend some time together, like with no one else around, just like, cause now to, like life is so busy. It's like, we're together all the time, but it's like on tour or it's like, there's other loads of other people around and like to have like a day dedicated to just like spending time together and it was just really nice look best of luck with everything thank you thank you very much he's an old romantic too isn't he that's our that's our Kean de Crow uh, gone from practicing tunes and knocking them out on TikTok from his bedroom in Passage to my team in the US like hello global superstar here and deserving of it Kinder Crow rocked it at Electric Picnic at the weekend. Here's a tune from the man himself. This is Heaven on Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Stunning day out there now, and a few of them to come back to back. So we're being promised. It's a good week to have an opportunity to win with Falter Ireland on the opinion line. We've teamed up with them to help you experience the best daycation ever. I was out and around the last few days. Um, I went to the Ocean Escapes. They're down in Cork Harbour and they do fabulous trips along the River Lee 
up around Blackrock Castle, Spike Island, Cove. Best way to see our fantastic harbour is from the water. Uh, most unique way of doing it with uh, ocean escapes. I did that and it's it's a great vacation. And a vacation is something you can do that in just one day. Take this one glorious day. Find something you can do for the day. On Friday, I'll draw two people and we will give them 200 euro, one for all vouchers to help with the dream vacation or the best vacation ever. I want you to tell me about your dream vacation. I'll get to some of today's entries before we finish. Well, what would you like to do? You have one day, it's a glorious day, like today. I put 200 quid in your pocket. What would you like to do for a vacation today? All right, you let me know. 0818969696. Text to WhatsApp 0833969696. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Back to Electric Picnic, Key and Crow absolutely stormed the place and I, I make a prediction here and now that he will that young boy will one day play Parky Cueve and it'll be the biggest homecoming that any star has ever made never mind people coming back to Dublin like you that no when Cian de Crow comes back to Parky Cueve to Cork it'll be a global, a global superstar coming home just get that sense about him Crossy joins me. <clears throat> there was another big moment at um, at the picnic. <laughs> Crossy, did you see the the mad pylon to get to hear the wolf tones? Morning, sir. Wow, wow. What? It, I, I, look, I always knew that, you know, I, I do loads of gigs around and if you ever play certain songs, you'll always hear the crowd chant back things. And I was going, you know what? The, the Wolf Tones, it's, it's, it's going to be good. You know, there's going to be people going to see it. Did I think that it was going to be the biggest ever crowd at that tent? I, I couldn't have put money on it. I can't believe it. Look, fair play to them. It's pretty great. It's great to see that, you know, all the youth are still interested in music and love music, um, but yeah, it was a wild day. I think it shocked everyone. The, the tent, the the tent they were in was due to hold hold how many? Oh God, I think it was it was about ten thousand. I think, and, and there they, could, and there were around, there was fifty thousand outside. Oh, like I I would say next year they will be on in the evening time. And it's going to be main stage. You're joking. It's, the Wolf Tones oh, at Electric Picnic main stage. Do you know what? Looking at the demographic that were there, yeah. I would be ringing the three. I would be ringing the three arena tomorrow and saying, have you got a booking before Christmas? We got an act, two fellas with the two guitars they want to sing. That's how confident I'd be that they'd sell it out. Like, I, 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 it is wild. And they were all young. They were all young as well. So it's it's... These people, they've obviously heard the music from their parents or their grandparents, and it's a brand new age. I'd love to hear from the lads themselves and ask them what did they think about it. Like, did they know that there was going to be, you know, so many people? Like, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the clips of Grace. Like, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Well, well when, when he had that stand up row with Joe Duffy a couple of weeks ago, I had Brian Warfield on a couple of days afterwards, and I was yeah. asking him about the music and what keeps it going, and he is just delighted with the fact that the young people are turning up and singing the songs. And look, he describes himself, Brian Warfield describes himself as, as a historian who, who tells history through music. And he doesn't get involved right. in the whole sectarian discussion anymore. That, that discussion's been had. But the fact is, yeah. here we are, a couple of old lads who've been doing this for nearly 60 years, packing out Electric Picnic. 
like unpacking. Like if, if you haven't seen the picture this morning, just Google. It's just it's. I was looking at it, at the picture, going, "Okay, I knew it was crazy when I was there. I did not know it was that crazy." Yeah. Um, it look. It, it's it's great to see. Um, I saw Joe Duffy was trending online this morning. I'd say that's going to be very interesting later. <laughs> uh, but uh, and that's even funny as well. You know, like you have to kind of think about that side. You're kind of looking at that going. But look, it is great to see. Um, it there was a lot of real kind of slow set acts at Electric Picnic this year. Yeah. Uh, Tom O'Dell was Tom O'Dell was on Saturday. I nearly fell asleep. Like he's great and all, but he's great on a Friday evening when you had a glass of wine yeah. and you're on your own in your house crying. Like, and that's what that is. But um, he loved you for he, that, Crusty. <laughs> oh, but loved. you know what I mean? Like, it was just, do you know who was brilliant? And you mentioned at the start, Keen to Crow. Oh my God! Well, now I was going to ask and, you about him. I'm making it. I mean, I remember talking to Keen when his stuff started to to bite on TikTok. Yeah. Do you know? And here's a lad who, and it's just there the interview he did with you. Like, he was writing songs and throwing it up on TikTok from his bedroom in Passage. And now wow. he talks about my team in America. Like, <laughs> it's going to be some. I'll say home. one thing, right? Yeah. yeah. There's been so many, I've, I've interviewed so many of, the, of Irish acts over the last while. The one thing that King the Crow has that's going to get him places is his personality. He is a Lovely he fella, is. like he is. a lovely fella. He is, and that's gonna his music's gonna sell him, right? His music is obviously gonna sell him. Yeah, but that extra bit to get him that extra bit further than any of his any of his counterparts at the minute, like I'm including Dermot and all that. Yeah, he has the personality that you can sit in a pub and he'll chat to everyone. Yeah, and that's what Keen the Crow has. I, I, oh, he's a lovely fella. I think we're only I don't know about 2024, but we're certainly not more than a year or two away, Crossy, from him being in Tolman Park and being in Parky Queeve. For those homecoming gigs, I think it could be sooner. I don't know. I just I I feel I feel that he's going on tour, but I think then he's going on tour again. So you could be looking at something big next year. You you know you always know now. You 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 get the you get the scoop on these things. So let me know. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. I will. I will. It'd be (laughs) great. Are you wrecked after the weekend, fella? Are you wrecked? Do you know what? It's just I didn't I didn't drink. I drive up and down every day. Yeah. Um, people always find me very weird. I just I can't stay in a tent. I did it years ago for oxygen, and it just scarred me for life. So yeah, we drive up and down every day, and it was great. It was brilliant. Uh, Fred again was great. I didn't understand him at the start. So my other half loves Fred again. All my friends and all that, and that yeah. was packed out, it, just as big as the Wolf Tones. And um, it's basically this fella who makes music on the go yeah. with voices, and I and then when I. I didn't My daughter's a huge fan. Yeah. 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 And I was kind of raging. I didn't know a lot more about him because afterwards, I appreciated it afterwards, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, Taylor's fantastic last night. The script had a very emotional uh, time. Imagine. They were talking was about, that their first gig uh, since the chap passed away? Was um, it was her first massive gig. They, they've they've done a few around Europe. Um, they did the Academy in Dublin on Friday, mm. and it just it's just it's really sad. And he, you could see him up emotional, and the crowd were reacting. If you want to check out your Instagram page at the minute, you'll see the video up there. You'll see the killers, yeah. Jazzy. There's so many. Oh, look here! It was a great weekend, and it wasn't raining for the first time in about twenty years. So <laughs> it was a great, great. I'm sunburned. <laughs> look, what can you... uh, sunburned. It's it's gas though isn't it when you think about it Fred again Keen to Crow and the Wolf Tones and we speak about them yeah. as headliners in one breath it's weird 
Crossy. The world is weird. It's mad. <laughs> it's and you know what? It's it's just so good that we have just something to laugh about and something coming from it, like if a, a festival like that. You're kind of going, wow, yeah. this is like it's going to be different next year. It's going to be on the second week of August next year. Yeah. Um, first time ever. There's rumors. The reason why. There's certain acts around at those certain times, apparently. Go on, go uh, on, heard, go on, go I've on. He- I've heard, whisper, I've heard of a band that's playing croaker. Play. I've heard of a band that possibly could be there. If you heard me whisper that word, okay, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. it is. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. Ru- now, there are any rumors that were yeah, doing the rounds yeah, yeah, now yeah. that I was hearing. That, but it, you have to. Your best thing to do is when they start announcing them from January, the other gigs that are on, like all the festivals, like Glastonbury, Reading, and all them. Have a look to see who's around and who's touring, and that's how you know who's coming to Electric Picnic. Crossing. So, listen, we look forward to talking again, my friend. Uh, thank you for that. He sent us the full um, interview, but he was. <laughs> I mean, thanks, man. The thing, right? Electric Picnic. I've never been. My daughter's been a couple of times. But I've never been. But like to have Kian Ducrow, upcoming global superstar, Fred again, who I got into after my daughter said, Dad, you need to check this guy out. He's brilliant. He is brilliant, right? And the Wolf Tones as the highlights <laughs> and the killers as the highlights of Electro Picnic in the one weekend. Like it's mad. Utterly. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, uh, Kieran wants me to talk about speed for a second. We're going to do more on this as the week goes on because today is a, a real clampdown day. Uh, they, they they really do want people to slow down, and there are checkpoints everywhere today. Um, and you, they, they will catch you, and they will fine you, and they will point you. So be careful. Today is National Slowdown Day. Yet it seems. Says Kieran in Cork City traffic junctions, red light means speed up and drive as fast as you can through it. Every morning, I count four or five drivers deliberately breaking the red light with no respect to other road users or pedestrians. Are these drivers waiting or trying to injure or kill someone just so they can get the next set of lights? Would it be possible for the Gardaí to place checkpoints there instead of on the motorway? Thank you, Kieran. Uh, and then Frank says, are we the only country where you can fail the driving test and still drive home? That's an excellent question, Frank. And the answer to which I do not know. We have to drive home with mom or dad and whoever brought you to the to the driving test. But you can drive. I know that. 0818 96 96 96. Lots of stuff as well on government and VAT and prices. All of which I will get to in the fullness of time. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Question 10. What county is the smallest in Ireland? Loud. As my hands are shaking, Sarah, I don't know about you, my hands are rattling here. You're killing me here, lad. Please be loud. You said loud. <laughs> now I feel really bad oh, for no. making you wait to tell you you've just won 2,000 euros! <laughs> Sharon, I'm in love with the money! Yes! And shoot your boom shakalaka! Yes! Sarah, you've just won 2,000 euros! Oh my god, thanks so much! Two grand minute. I'm getting money. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Cork's 96 FM. PJ, I'm getting married on Friday. 
we have 256 guests. Big wedding. Best of luck with that, Laura. But she said, we just found out we're taking the hit for the VAT. I did challenge the hotel, and to be fair, they took some of the hit themselves, but we're looking at an extra €4, Euro, roughly, per head. That's over €1,000 we have to make up with such short notice. We are hemorrhaging money. 0818969696. And on prices in general, we're going to have the mother of all rows, says Kevin, in a few weeks' time, when they decide how to spend the surplus. I can see people tearing strips off each other, fighting for their crumbs off the table. Electioneering never really stops. Oh, Kevin, it's only just winding up, my friend. As I said it earlier this morning, and no disrespect to Kathleen Function, she just happened to be talking to me at the time. Every politician of every hue for the next God knows how long, every time they're on, be they Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Labour, Sinn Féin, whatever, they're all going to mention every cook and bottle washer that they have in the whole of the south of Ireland just to make sure they don't let anybody out. It's a pain in the arse, lads. Before we even start, can we not do it? Can we not do it? Can we not get the full name of every single volunteer for Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Shane? Please, no. We don't care. Okay? Thanks. Just, just thought we'd get that one in there. Uh, we should rename our beautiful country Taxland, says Nicola. I know, I know. Speaking of weddings, Megan Smith, you, <clears throat> you wore a black dress to your wedding. Why? Morning. I did indeed. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> it, it, it's not a traditional wedding type colour. No, no, it's not at all. No. <laughs> so, so why? <laughs> um, the white dress, you know, I never really pictured myself in one, to be honest. Um, there's no white in my wardrobe, so I thought, why would I wear white for my big day? It's not a colour that I'd ever feel comfortable in. Mm. So, I mean, my wardrobe is probably, I'd say, 95% black as it is. Um, so it just kind of felt right to wear black for my wedding day. Yeah. In, in, when I was younger, we used to call people who wore black all the time pookies, and there was goths as well. Like, would you be kind of like that? Would you dress black in black all the time? I would, but I wouldn't associate with like the goth subculture or anything like that. Right. I mean, I, I appreciate it. There yeah. are definitely parts of it that I love, like, you know, the home decor. I love all of that. Mm. Um, yeah, the fashion, that's great. It's not something I'd necessarily, I wouldn't right. call myself a goth, but right. I just, I dress in black quite a lot. And when I just you, feel comfortable in when it. When you announced you were going to do this, how did, how did people take it? Um, I didn't announce it. I just did it. <laughs> so uh, it was a bit of a surprise for people. Yeah, you just arrived, like. Yep, yep, that's it. The only person who knew what colour my dress was and had seen it beforehand was my husband. And how, did, everybody else, how did he it was a respond when, when you said, I'm doing black? He was like, that makes sense. It's very fitting. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have did did you find did you find it difficult to get a, a black dress? Oh, really difficult. Like I knew that I wouldn't be able to get one, you know, just walking up and down the high street in Cork. Mm. I knew that popping into a bridal shop there I wouldn't be able to find anything that would feel right for me. Um so I had a look online and sure enough, was able to find a load of different bits. Um I ended up getting my dress from Ukraine. This was before the invasion, before really? the war. Um yeah, yeah. 
it just just so happened that that was the place where I got it. And was it an actual wedding dress in black or just another one that you put some some veils on and stuff? Um, well, it was a skirt and a bodice. Um, everything was made to measure. Um, but no, they were they were uh, marketed towards brides. Wow. <laughs> Had you any other strange things we might not expect at a wedding? Um, I don't know about strange. Although, no, thinking about it, I mean, the song that we walked out to was um, a string quartet version of the Adams Family, I suppose. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you told your string That's quartet, it. this is what I want. <laughs> that sounds like it was so much fun. It was. And that's honestly, that's what we wanted. Black we didn't want Adam's something family. that felt stuffy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes. We didn't want something where people would feel uptight and, and stuffy. We just wanted it to be relaxed and fun. It was really intimate. Like there were only 13 of us in total. Yeah. It was tiny, um, but it just felt right for us. And, and your venue, was it, a sta- was it a regular venue? Was it a church? Where did you go? It was a castle. Um, Yeah, we got married in Galway. Uh, We found Clohan Castle. They, you know, you can rent it out um, and have the place completely to yourself. Bedrooms there, so you can spend the night before there. Um, Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was everything that we wanted. So you had a black, an old castle, black dress, Adam's family playing as you go in. There's a theme here, Megan. Yeah, I suppose there is. You're, you said that your your hubby saw the dress beforehand. Now, a lot of people will consider that to be bad luck. Yeah. But um, in case in case anyone listening, you know, hasn't copped on yet, we're not very traditional. So that wasn't really have. a concern for us. I think they might have. <laughs> so tell me about yourself and, and himself. How how did you meet? Who, who? We, uh, we met in secondary school. Okay. Um, yeah, so the day that we got married, it was 10 years to the day that we started going out. So we've been together 11 and a half years now at this point. But um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a very special date for us. And yeah, we wanted to do something really special for us to market. Well, you, well, you sure did. And a, 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 a castle in County Galway and black. And it just sounds like it, was, like it was so much fun. And everyone just loved it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I mean, it was our nearest and dearest. Um, and yeah, I think everybody just came away having a really good time. You know, there was no pressure on anyone. We said to people, you know, even for the dress code, people were asking, oh, God, we're in a castle. What should we wear? And we said, look, if you feel comfortable turning up in jeans, turn up in jeans. Yeah. If you feel more comfortable turning up in a three piece suit, do it. Yeah. Like it's whatever you feel comfortable in, because that's what we wanted. We wanted everyone to feel comfortable and to be able to be themselves. And that's exactly what you did, Include, including including yourself. You you wore what you wanted oh, to your special. <laughs> and that's kind of cool that people wear what they want to their special day. All these old traditions, you know, they're some of them. Hang on, let's see if this will play for you. <laughs> I had to. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you came in. So they walked into this, ladies and gentlemen. They're creepy and they're kooky, <laughs> mysterious and spooky. Megan, I'm going to go mad. I missed it. <laughs> brilliant. That's brilliant. That's the funniest thing. Megan, you've made my Monday. You've made my Monday. Thank oh, you. Oh, good. Thank you so <laughs> much. And what's your it. husband's name? 
Michael. Michael. Well, the best of luck to the two of you for your future together, Megan and Michael. That's that's like a really alternative wedding. Well done. Did you do anything mad, anything crazy, or out of the box for your wedding? Like I, I, I'm, the the dress actually, I, the dress is fine. That's the selling. To me, it's walking up the aisle or walking into the ceremony to the theme from the Adams family is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Did you do anything strange like that uh, for your wedding day? Uh, your, your dress, your party, had you a mad theme? When we got married, we got married in, uh, I better get this right now, 94. June of 94, we got married. And the World Cup was about to start. Ireland and we're off to the World Cup in the US. So what did I do? I got the piper in the old jury's hotel. I slipped him a 20. So in the old days, in the jury's hotel, I'm sure they still do it. You get the, the couple, the mar- wedding, the married couple get piped in. So they're the last in and they're piped into the top table by by the piper. And normally it's like something traditional, like Mary's wedding or some nonsense like that. I slipped your man at 20 out in the bar. I did not tell Queen Bee I was going to do this. Um, I think she forgave me though, because we took a laugh. So we were played in. And bear in mind, we got married sort of the Saturday before the World Cup opened in the US and we were going on our holidays and I was planning on a honeymoon. I was planning where we could get to see the Irish matches. That's the kind of thing. So I gave your man 20 quid to play us into Ole 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 into the, into the wedding. And she gave me a look out from under the veil and then she just laughed. So did you do anything like that? I think mad that you did it at your own wedding or that you want to do it at your own wedding that you think you might never get away with if you went to do it at your own wedding. They're the ones that, they're the better ones, I should love those ones. And that you think you might not get away with at your own wedding. Oh wait, oh wait, 96, 96, 96. Just on the cost of living and hotels, <clears throat> some more of your stuff. When the government are on about the amount of money they have and what they can spend, I remember a few years ago when they were saying the EU was so happy with them that they could balance their budget I wonder, are they still trying to please the EU when they're not spending more money? There has to be some reason that they're hoarding it. Well, I did say earlier on, other countries across the EU have said to Brussels, we're looking after our people, or Strasbourg, we're looking after our people, we'll talk to you later. But for some reason, best known to themselves, um, Michael McGrath and, and um, oh God, Pascal Donoghue, uh, are insistent on staying within the rules. They say it'll be better in the long term. Maybe. Andrew says, As you know, I've been to Ibiza more times than I care to remember. I always get asked when I come back, is it expensive there? My answer is always the same. If you can survive in Ireland, you can survive anywhere. It's very true, Andrew. Speaking of hotels elsewhere, we were in, there's a fabulous place, if you, if you know it at all, in Lanzarote. There's only one high-rise hotel called the Grand in Arrecife. It's in the capital. It's a five-star hotel. It's gorgeous. It is just beautiful. And we were there one day. We'd lunch there. Yes, you can do it quite reasonably. And just purely for pig iron, for pig iron and nothing else, I got up the site 
on booking.com on my phone and I said, I wonder what if we want to stay tonight now, peak holiday season, and we wanted two rooms with a sea view um, in a five-star hotel there and then, I'd have had the two of them, two of them for 300 quid. If I wanted breakfast, it would have been 320 for two rooms, not one, two. So, and that's five star. Yeah, didn't do it, but we could have done it. 0818969696. A few more just before I go to, to a break because I've got lots of stuff coming in all morning. People listening to Michael Collins and he talked about the cost of living and the cost of everything going up. Get him, Mr. Collins. Get him all, says Justin in West Cork. Uh, Ricky says, you're right, Michael. They're Robin Peter to pay Paul. Uh, the Baldy Barber says the threshold and VAT for the barbers and hairdressers should be abolished. 37,500 is the threshold. If you turn over 37,499, you pay no VAT. Once you go to 37,500, you pay VAT. I've written to every Minister for Finance for the last 25, 30 years. Abolish the threshold. Charge everyone 5% VAT on everything. That's a good point, Mick. And the Treasury would collect more money. Uh, Katie says people can't afford to live in Ireland anymore. It's utterly crazy. And the government don't seem to care. When will all these price hikes end? Yeah. Petrol gone up, as Kevin pointed out earlier. 20, 20 cents a litre almost in the last four weeks. Morning, PJ. Why isn't anyone asking the government to take off the 25 cents they put on petrol and diesel during the bailout? It came in around the time of the USC. And sometimes people ask, why isn't that reversed? But the duty was supposed to help the bailout too. That's from Neil. That's interesting. The, the, the excise on petrol and diesel very high. Uh, thanks for all those comments during the morning. 0818-96-96-96. Okinawa, Japan. Sardinia, Italy. Nicoya, Costa Rica. Icaria, Greece. And Loma Linda in California. And in modern times, Singapore. They've got something in common. They are blue zones. A blue zone is a place where, for some reason, people live longer, healthier lives. There's a great news, well, well worth watching, a four-parter, a new documentary on uh, Netflix called Secrets of the Blue Zones, Live to 100. I'm going to talk about it next. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. So a blue zone, there are five of them in the world and there's one or two that have been man-made now over the last number of years. Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, in Italy, well, one particular part of Sardinia, Nicoya in Costa Rica, Icaria in Greece, and Loma Linda in California. All places where people were living longer, healthier lives, where the number of people in their 90s was extraordinarily high, the number of healthy, fit people in their 80s higher again, and the number of people literally going on like nothing had happened when they were 100 and 101 and 102 was incredible. And a man called Dan Butner has been researching this for the bones of 30 years to see why. What do all these places have in common? And he's done a really good four-episode series on Netflix. And he also looks at Singapore, where they're trying to make a man-made 
Blue Zone. Rachel, you got on to us about this to see had we had we seen it and heard. It. I watched it at the weekend. I knew about Blue Zones. We talked about them a couple of years ago on the program. But this is incredible research has been done. There's a reason why these place why people live as long as they do in these places. Morning. Good morning, love. I am obsessed with the Blue Zones and I've been following Dan now for quite a while. And then when the, the Netflix documentary came out, I looked at that as well. But um, that, what is that? Zach Afram, is it? He used to be in Glee. He did a programme with Darren, who was a specialist in superfoods, and they also went to Sardinia, to one of the Blue Zones. But I think... I think if people don't know about Blue Zones, um, as in what, 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 what is creating the longevity, is the diet. But the diets are different, as you know, in all the different Blue Zones. Yeah. But they have a purpose. And the per- we've, we've been told this. They have a reason to get up in the morning. And what really screams to me about it all is the companionship. So it's like going to the gym is all fine, you know, but I'm on my own if I go to the gym. But like today now, I took Lolly up to Cork. I live in Cove. Uh, the train is every half an hour, soon to be every 10 minutes, which is brilliant. And I went up, uh, so I walked, but I also met the lads in the Road Rodeir and you'd always have a bit of a chat with them. I met a few people then up around that I, that I wouldn't normally see. I stopped and I had a chat with them. But those little chats are really important mm. because loneliness can kill so if you're isolated and you're not you're not out and you're not about it, it, it has an effect on your health, is what he's saying, and that definitely screams through in the Netflix documentary. So they invest a lot more in friends and family than we would um, in this country and in most countries. They invest time in one of them. There's a lovely scene in one of them. I think it's the Sardinia, but I, I, I got confused between one and the other. It's a bunch yeah. of lads minding sheep. And they're all in their 80s. And they go out out into the field in the morning and mind the few old sheep and milk them and do whatever you do. And then by three o'clock in the day, they're having a beer playing cards. That's another thing that screams through. I know we're all told, you know, alcohol is a bad thing. And obviously, if you abuse it, it is. But there is a time for happy hour in the blue zones. It's red wine, really. The... um, uh, carrying wine, that was all of them. There are blue zones, wine, blue zone wines that you can look up, but it's not taking advantage. But it's done socially, so they're eating. The way they eat is different. Mm. They eat up until they're eighty percent full, That's and right. then they stop. And then, but they're eating slower because they're having their glass of wine. We know that helps with digestion. They're chatting. So there's a social aspect to it, whether it be, because long ago we all sit at the dinner table. But PJ, how many people sit at the dinner table anymore? You're right. We grab and go. We grab and go. The food as well, I noticed. Um, Now, an awful lot of plant-based food, but that's not the the selling point. The selling point, I thought, was, and Bootner did this really well, it's what's available to them. It's not sort of bringing avocados halfway around the world because they're good for you. It's what do we have here that's good for you? Because it was it a carrier didn't have a port. They couldn't get anything in or anything out. So they had yeah. to they had to eat what was there for them. Now they're living to be a hundred routinely. Yes, and their diet their, for people who don't know the blue zones, it's not whole grains, no no cow dairy, just goat goat maybe and sheep. Um, and what else is there? There's, oh, lots of beans. Beans apparently can add four to six, and I have beans, four to six years onto your life as can companionship. But the diet, I went into Tesco the other day, I don't, not Tesco, one of these big stores the other day, and 
normally I would shop locally here in Kinsale where the Garveys and Super Value take great pride in their organic section and also bringing in the Happy Pear and all these different new plant-based companies. But I went in there and I was horrified at the minuscule amount of organic food and everything on those shelves screamed, I'm going to put you up in the CUH. So there's no thought, you go, there's no access. I have to go to the key co-op, which I do on a regular basis down to the lovely people down there. Um, and I have to obviously get Lolly, who's 11, into a healthy way of eating. So we kind of go there a lot. We have a butcher. We do eat meat. And the blue zoners do eat meat do. probably five times a month. Like and fish, but not, not a lot. And eggs, not a lot. But it's, it's very hard. It's not people. People aren't at fault for not being healthy. It's because we haven't created, which is bringing me to Singapore, we haven't created the environment for people to be healthy. Yeah. Now, he he makes that in the last episodes, only four episodes, he looks at Singapore and an entirely man-made society, but they decided very early on it was going to be a healthy one. Yes, they did. They started shaping it. I think it was 1965 they started... A pub, it's a public-private partnership. So you have to have both on board, on board. So you have the desire. First of all, he says, talks about the vision. You have to have a vision. So say if I was to take Cove, for example, or Cross Haven, or Kinsale, any of these places that could become Blue Zones, is you have to get the community in that area involved. So you create the vision. Then the desire comes from that vision. And then it's the investments that you are willing public and private to put into creating a healthier society, which in the long term, I think in, in one of the blue zones that, that Dan actually started up in the state, they saved the health, um, the health sector a half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we can't seem to sort out our health system. It's a poison chalice. So maybe we should stop doing what we're doing because it's not working. And maybe we should start getting the public involved. And by creating... Um, a healthier environment, they will live longer and not end up in the CUH. And also, they, they invest. The, the government has sponsored exercise programs. Yes. They give grants to family members to live closer to their elderly family members or grants to the elderly family members to live closer to their children so they don't have to go into nursing homes, which we know depletes the life expectancy of the person going in almost immediately. So they're creating an environment that is socially wonderful, that is full of nutrients, of food. Um, and I remember the guy, the guy in the shop the other day, he was stuck in the shelves. He goes, oh, I don't believe in any of this stuff. And I said, well, I said, you know, if you want to feel good and be in a better mood and live longer, then you have to think about what you put into your mouth. And he was arguing and I said, you have to do what you want to do, what you're comfortable doing. Yeah. But if it's an environment that he had to do what he would. Now, to be fair, there was a thing that I noticed across all the zones was weather. The the weather in all those places is much more conducive to the physical well-being of the body than the filthy cold damp we have here for eight months of the year. Yeah, it's, but we can't stop. We can't uh, we change can't that. Stop yeah. that. Yeah, we can. So we have to. Uh, people are really good at adjusting to their environment. You know, you still have walking, um, you still have the walking clubs going out, it doesn't matter if it's rain, hail or snow but you know there are different things we can do, people 
people investing in an allotment with maybe four of their friends, which I'm thinking of doing, where we all meet up, you know, we were growing things together. I, in my fridge, it's full of Rachel Dwyer's uh, beautiful tomatoes and peppers that she's growing in her garden because now she's working from home. So the whole garden has become a polytunnel and it's, you know, she heads out there when she has a break. So it's, we can adjust to make it work, but the government has to be on board and the people mm. have to be on board and we do need the government to lead this. You mentioned public transport, which they've taken to a point in Singapore where no one really wants to own a car. Plus, they also triple the price of cars, but that's another thing. But just your own day-to-day life, Rachel, you pointed out, it's very costly to use. It's very costly to use, but I mean, also, it's extremely bad for the health. In in Singapore, a car that would be fifty thousand costs one hundred and fifty thousand. So all those beautiful roads that were once taken up with cars in the city centre are now beautiful and pedestrianised. It's like what's happening in McCurtain Street. The beautiful flowers, flower mm. beds they're putting down there, and I wish they would pedestrianise because it's a beautiful quarter. Um, but so they're incentivising people. They've lovely walkways that sometimes take you through parks. So. It's, it's the mood enhancing and then the public transport. Now, I got the train from Cove to Day, PJ, and it was €6.90 for me return, and mm. it was 2 something for Lolly return. So that's nearly €10 Euros it's costing me to go to Cork. €10 Euros by 5, €50, Euros, that's my diesel for the week, so there's no difference. It's no incentive. Yeah. But if they could either make children free until they're 16, so children can go to school free, like there has to be a really good incentive to use public transport and we need to invest in trams, we need to invest, we need to invest, we need to invest. Instead of investing in more trolleys for the CUH, let's mm. bring down the amount of people that need them. Yeah, it's funny, I was in Dublin on Saturday and I was using the Lewis. Now, apart from the fact that it's quite rough it on is, the Lewis, yeah. but it's a fantastic service. If you lived on a Lewis line in Dublin, you genuinely don't need a car and it's, and it's cheap to be fair, we should have that yeah, everywhere. Yeah. We should have it everywhere. And Cove, Cove well, you know, I'm a great advocate for small towns, but Cove now is changing to every 10 minutes. And I see people going up and down in the train here. Now, not so much as it's usually in the, in the busy times. But when, it, when you hit 65 and you get the free travel, PJ, we Long way away. Long way away, Rachel. But we'll all use it and we will love it. And the same with the public transport, if we invested in here, and if we like Singapore, you're not telling people to use it, you're nudging them gently. And by doing that, they're exercising more, they're feeling better in themselves, especially when it comes to teenagers and kids, you know, their moods are better, our moods are better. It's just leading us into a healthier way of living and also for our families and friends, it's, it's about going back to basics. Okay, Rachel, it's a fascinating show. Thank you. I would love to talk to. I'm going to reach out and see can I catch the guy who put it together, a, a fella called Dan Butner. He's been researching this, like I said, with Rachel there for thirty years. It's worth it. It's well worth a look. It's well worth a look. It's Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. It's trending high on Netflix at the moment. Actually, I'm, I'm just back watching a little bit of telly, uh, and uh, that's it's it's well worth a look. They're maybe 45 minutes each episode. Um, Dan Butner is his name. Secrets of the Blue, Blue Zones. Live to 100. You'll be amazed at the people he meets in this. Like, there's a guy who is lassoing cattle in Costa Rica. He's out lassoing cattle, bringing them in together, herding them in. T- He's 102. 
Do you know? It's gas. 0818-969696. Now, we're having some fun for the week with Falcha Ireland. We've teamed up to help you experience the best vacation ever. And I've been out and about exploring some of the many great things to see and do that are right here on our doorstep. Like this weekend, I went to see Blarney Castle and the gardens, the Blarney Stone, the Poison Garden, all sorts of pathways that lead you through a network, just a network of beauty, avenues, gardens, arboretums, and of course, the castle and the stone. I went there for an afternoon, had an absolute ball. And we want you to have your own best vacation ever with your friends and family. I'll have 200 euro, one for all vouchers to be had on Friday, two of them. And all I want you to do is tell me about your best or favourite daycation. Uh, Kira loves to go to the Bamboo Park in Glengariff. What a place, Kira! I found it during the summer. It's brilliant. Uh, PJ, in regards to daycations, one of the best days I've ever had was starting down in Cove. We got the boat over to Spike. We explored the grounds and buildings for hours. It's like a piece of history stuck in time. Eerie and interesting. Then we came back and rented a drive-your-own-boat at the harbour. What a laugh. There's a guide driving his own boat in case you get lost or can't drive. After this, we had our feet back on dry land. We went into the Titanic. They have a chicken Caesar wrap on the menu. It was sent from the gods. And some lovely cocktails. Cove is wonderful to spend the day if anyone's looking for a place. And there's Photo Wildlife Park and so much more, says Sarah, who's sending pictures. PJ, my daycation, y'all for the day. The sandy beach, then down to Perks, then strolled through the town. I'd love it. As you know, PJ, I was on your show talking about my alcohol addiction in the past, but I'm off now the last eight years. I'd love a vacation to y'all. Thanks from Angela. Cape Clear, well worth a day trip. Views are magical. Goats, ice cream, Cape Clear, gin, swim, the harbour. Fabulous for bird watching. That's from Ian. A lot of people looking for y'all. Blackpool and Dublin Hill. Uh, take a stroll up. Beautiful spot, undamaged by progress up around Dublin Hill. Most of my childhood summers were spent there. Just bring a picnic, a fishing net and a book. You'll get your you can paddle in the clean stream, relax among unspoiled nature, watch the wildlife. Murphy's Rock, not the pub. I know it. I know it, Frank. Genuine beauty on the north side. The, the Murphy's Rock, not the And I have loads more and I will read far more of them tomorrow. But on Friday, we will draw two people and give them 200 euros in a one-for-all voucher to spend on your best daycation ever. That is it, I think it is. That's it for today. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All your podcasts will be up as soon as they can. We'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie.